This is the Jesus Only Speaks the Truth podcast. My name is Dennis McGee Jr. Today is Thursday, March the 14th, 2019. It is quickly approaching 3 o'clock in the afternoon here in the Philadelphia, Pennsylvania area. Uh, We are in Bristol, Pennsylvania, live with the development coordinator, Peter Bernitsky, my new friend. And uh, Peter, I'm going to ask right right off the bat, why don't you do us a favor uh, before we even get to know you? Just do me a favor, why don't you give our listeners uh, a description of Legacy of Life and, and, and who Legacy of Life is, and then we'll get into some other questions. Yeah, absolutely, Dennis. So, uh, Legacy of Life Foundation, uh, we were founded in 2009, and what we do is our sole purpose, we exist to break the cycle that leads to abortion. We do this um, through fundraising efforts, and 100% of what we do goes towards the operations of two women's centers that we run um, that are located both in Bristol, Bucks County, and in Center City, Philadelphia, where between the Planned Parenthood on 12th and Locusts and uh, the Abortion USA perform half of the entire state of Pennsylvania's abortions. That's 15,000 abortions every single year. And so what Legacy of Life Foundation does is that we support the crisis pregnancy centers that are directly across the street from these clinics. And what we seek to do is we provide uh, free pregnancy testing, ultrasound, counseling, advocacy, and support for at least up to three years after the woman gives birth so that she can make a confident decision for life. That is, that, that is awesome. I mean, uh, you, you know, it, it's in my heart uh, over the years as I mentioned this to you all fair uh, the last time we met, the more, the more I've got to know Jesus, the more I value life. Mm. And specifically, uh, the pro-life movement itself. Now, let me, just, let me just ask you this question before we get some background information on yourself. Yeah. I, want, I want to get right into this. Okay. What would you say to someone who says that they, that they love Jesus, okay, and they follow him, but, you know, they just really don't see the value of involving themselves in, in, uh, in protecting the unborn or, or, or in the pro-life movement specifically? What, what would you say to someone like that? Well, first of all, I think um, I'd cock my head a little bit, scratch it. And then I'd say, you know, I think what you, they're, they're beginning from a false premise here and is that the pro-life movement, so-called, is a movement. What the pro-life movement is, is a name that is placed on Christian morality. Okay, The pro-life movement is not a collection of people getting together, writing petitions, trying to change legislation, uh, collecting diapers. The pro-life movement, how we have to think of the pro-life movement is an extension of the living out and manifestation of Christian morality. All right, it, it, it goes beyond civil service, it goes beyond social needs and uh, uh, social issues. It strikes at the very heart of who we believe Jesus Christ is, what we believe his mission was when he came to this earth, and ultimately what human beings were created to be, and what our mission in life, where were we ordered to. And so for somebody who says they believe in Jesus, and is not, you know, doesn't support or doesn't see the value of the pro-life movement, I would say, well, I'm, I'm pleased that Jesus himself valued you enough to come on this earth, to die for you, to redeem you, to save you from death. 
And that really, um, to follow Jesus is not merely, you know, it's not lip service we pay to him. It's uh, following Jesus, um, being a disciple, uh, encapsulates everything about human life. And, and, that, and that extends from conception to natural death. Um, because ultimately, you know, the problem, uh, really, the, the issue of abortion uh, voices this question, well, at what point was, Je in Je was Jesus in the womb of the Blessed Virgin at what point did he become God? At what point uh, in the gestation period of our Lord in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary did he become the Son of God? And that is, uh, that sounds absurd because if Jesus was ever the Son of God, it was at the moment of conception. If Jesus was ever our Lord incarnate, it was at the moment of conception. So I think uh, people who misunderstand their role in this issue of abortion and the dignity of human life misunderstand the incarnation. That's, I mean, really, I'm sitting here and I'm just digesting all that you've said. And, and I mean, that, that's, you're, you're kind of blowing my mind. Honestly. <laughs> really, when, when you think about the reality that, that life does begin at conception mm -hmm. and that it's, uh, obviously, um, science supports that fact. The yeah. baby has its own DNA at the moment of conception. Mm -hmm. uh, science shows that the baby has 22 or 23 different chromosomes that, that you can tell the difference at the moment of conception. Mm -hmm. um, but, all, but, but, but. Really, most importantly, when we think about, when we, we have to always ask ourselves, what does what does God say about this? Mm -hmm. Whether it's what, whatever the situation is, mm -hmm. we have to always get in the habit of always asking ourselves, what did Jesus say? Mm -hmm. And when we look at what God told, I believe it's the the prophet Jeremiah when he first begins that 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 conversation, calling calling the prophet Jeremiah, he says he he knew him before he was in the womb. Right. He appointed him while he was in the womb. Mm -hmm. So that the idea of what you're saying, the reality yeah. that Jesus is God, the moment of conception is something that uh, clearly is, is something that, that needs to be highlighted uh, so importantly. Mm -hmm. Let me do this. Let me get, I want our listeners to know who Peter Bernetsky is. Uh, you and I, I called you my new friend, mm -hmm. and, and I, I mentioned to you within the first 10 minutes that we met just a week ago, I felt as though it was uh, a divine appointment. Like I felt, I felt like God was. He was. He, he put us in the same place at the same time. To me, I felt wow. This there was just a something that just just it just it just rung true. Mm -hmm. A fire that I could I could sense within you that I said, well, this this, this this gentleman and I, I think we could do something together. Mm -hmm. So let me. Do you tell the listeners? Just give us some background on yourself, Peter Bernetsky, Who are you? Sir? Yeah. So um, you know I. Uh originally hail from Connecticut. I entered the seminary and studied at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary in Woodwood, Pennsylvania um, when I was 17. I was studying at the time for the Archdiocese of Hartford, Connecticut. Um, I did my undergrad work there at St. Charles, learned a lot, um, and then my diocese sent me to Rome. So I was studying at the Pontifical Gregorian University for about a year and a half uh, when I heard the Lord calling me outside of the seminary and um, continue my formation outside of the seminary. So I left in October of 2017, and, you know, uh, throughout seminary, I had this itch, you know, I knew that abortion and the issue of life and human dignity as it's perceived in our culture is really a fundamental issue. It's the greatest tragedy of our time. It's the uh, greatest horror that our country has ever committed, uh, the legalization of abortion. Um, and I always knew that there was something more I could be doing, and that always bothered me through seminary. I had prayed um, in front of abortion clinics 
but I didn't know where else I could go. So it wasn't until I actually left the seminary that the Lord put Legacy of Life Foundation in my path. And now I know with complete certainty that I'm doing everything possible um, that I can do. I'm not trained to counsel the women. I'm not trained as an ultrasound technician. But I can spread the message. I can do parish outreach. I can do um, you know advertising. I can be featured on podcasts. And I can do whatever it is I can to spread this message and make people aware of this. So that's how God has blessed me through Legacy of Life Foundation. I'm now engaged. Um, I'm going to be married in October. And I see myself as uh, working with and in and for the church, building up the kingdom, um, both in the home and in society. I see myself as someone who has been blessed with so much learning and so, much, um, ex so many experiences from my time in seminary. Um, that I, I can't help but feel the, the call to pass that on. I'm currently finishing my master's in theology at St. Charles, and I should be done with that in May. So I'm one of six, one of six kids, so mom was obviously pro-life. And, uh, you know, I... Where do you fall in the... In, I'm, in the so I have two older brothers. Two older brothers. Yeah, my oldest brother is studying for the Legionaries of Christ. Oh, wow. He's going to be ordained in a couple of years. And then I have uh, two younger sisters and the youngest brother. And uh, my family... My parents and the rest of my family lives out in Steubenville, Ohio. Um, yeah. Franciscan, Franciscan University. University. That's right. My dad. Now it's yeah. funny. I mentioned when, when I when we sat down uh, today. I, I said I have a similar feeling uh -huh. of when we interviewed Father Rachel Ball a few months ago, and Father Rachel Ball, we got into Franciscan yeah. University yeah. in Steubenville, Ohio. Right. Why don't we just just do me a favor? Yeah. For anyone listening, that we, we if there's someone listening that is not familiar with Franciscan University in Steubenville, Ohio, can you just uh, what, what we, how would you like to describe that wondrous place? Well, I would say Franciscan University of Steubenville is a bastion for Christian education, for Catholic education. Um, and it really is, I think, a very concrete response to the call for the new evangelization on uh, a very critical battlefield, which is that of the college campus. And what I see the formation, uh, the formation I see my sister receiving and my brother soon to receive at Franciscan is equatable to what I got in seminary. So I could sit down and I could talk to them about this document of the church or this particular Catholic social teaching or this aspect of Catholic morality. And without batting an eyelid, they could come back and have an intelligent dialogue about what it means to be Catholic today. And I think uh, what I would hope is that the future of Catholic education is as bright as the light shining from the hill on, uh, in Steubenville. Now, what, what I'm going to say here is we, we need more Franciscan universities in America. Yeah. And, and actually, uh, a couple years ago, we, we really kind of got into, we, we thought we had some funding available to start that process. And we were actually in talks with different universities to work uh, in collaboration with some Catholic universities in our area to establish a devoutly Catholic university in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Um, it didn't work out so far. Well, actually, all the momentum on that project basically has been lost, at least from the human standpoint. Now, if it's God's will, it will happen. Um, so if there's somebody out there, there's anybody out there listening, I wasn't planning on getting into this at all today, but there's somebody out there listening, and you're in a position where you either um, have the uh, financial resources or access to the financial resources or the uh, any way you could benefit this project, 
of advancing a devoutly Catholic university in Bristol, Pennsylvania. If you can add any value to take this step forward, uh, feel free. Probably the best way to, to do this uh, is to send me a personal. You can send me an email at JesusOnlySpeaksTheTruth at gmail.com. Or you can send me a personal email at JR at gmail.com. Uh, I would love to try to, if there's any way you feel like you could benefit this, because you mentioned that the, that the college is a battleground. Mm -hmm. And so true. Mm -hmm. And, and that, that battle, uh, I, I think it's fair. Ultimately, we know we're going to win that battle. Mm -hmm. But right now, we need to do a better job. We need, yeah. we need more people stepping up and spreading truth on college campuses. Uh, now, I did mention to you in the late 90s, I started going to Francisco University for mm -hmm. retreats. I had just, been gra mm -hmm. just graduated high school. Uh, so I'll be 40 next month to kind of give you an idea. Happy so this birthday. was, thank you, sir. Thank <laughs> you. This will be, and this was the late 90s. I started going and it was transformational. To encounter Jesus in that way was, it, it, I mean, it literally changed who I was as a yeah. person. Mm -hmm. And I already had a relationship with Jesus, um, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's going to leave me my next question, which we, we didn't really discuss ahead of time. But let me ask you, okay. do you remember one of the first times you had a had an encounter with Jesus? And would you mind describing it for, for, for our listeners? Oof, first time I had an encounter with Jesus. Um, that's, a, that's a great question there, Dennis. I mean, you know, having been born a cradle Catholic, you know, I grew up um, experiencing our Lord in many different ways, um, you know, through the witness of my parents' beautiful vocation of marriage, uh, through the relationship I had with my siblings, which was always very, you know, life-giving and uh, adventurous at times. But I would say when I was growing up, so I grew up in... Uh, Maryland, for the most part, uh, and we frequented... Where in Maryland? It was only Maryland, so uh, it was, um, my parish was St. Peter's and Olney, and uh, it was around um, Bethesda, Silver oh, Springs. So, so D.C. Metropolitan area. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly, yeah. Because Maryland's like multiple states. Right, yeah. No, okay, I'm, so D.C. Metropolitan, that's where yeah, I was going. Yeah, so when I was okay. little, we would go, we would frequent the uh, National Basilica. Of course. I love that basilica. It's a beautiful basilica. And I would say that's where that spark of vocation, that's when I like really first start to encounter Jesus. Uh, Mom would take us there every two weeks for confession. Um, she'd give us a dollar afterwards so we could get something from the vending machines. Uh, I ate a lot of Mike and Ike's. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I that was your choice? That was my choice. Yeah. Mike and Ike's? Oh, yeah. man. Well, it must have been a, not have been like doing a vending machine there. Well, you that, well, it was a great vending machine. You could close up the box ah. and save them for later. It wasn't bad. That might have been my last choice. Yeah. Just to record. <laughs> okay. You'd probably have to pay me to eat Mike and Ike's. Oh, golly. We're not Probably. doing any commercials for Mike and Ike's. No, no we're not. No. no. <laughs> well, you wouldn't be asked to anyway. <laughs> so, uh, but, I, but I remember very distinctly walking up into the main basilica and looking up at the dome of yeah. um, Jesus the judge, Christ the judge, mm -hmm. and he's got his hands up, and he looks real mad, you know? And we always call him, we call him the mad Jesus. Mm -hmm. We call him the angry Jesus. Um, and it wasn't until much later that I uh, was taught, you know, between the stern-looking uh, image of our Lord and you, the viewer, was our Blessed Mother up on the Volcano. And it was put there intentionally to show that Mary is the mediator between our Lord's judgment and our sin. And so um, that was my first experience. When I saw that, I remember thinking to myself, Lord, you look really upset. Um, I don't know why exactly, but what can I do to make you happy? So I remember thinking of this as like a five-year-old kid. Wow. And it was from that point on that I realized, well, perhaps the Lord has called me to the priesthood. So um, at that point, all I talked about was becoming a priest, becoming a priest. How old were you? Five. 
Whoa. I would say I was about five years old. Yeah. Wow. So I remember seeing that, and I remember encountering our Lord in that way and being like, you know, whatever I can do to help him, I will do. And that was a, that was a pretty, it was life transformative because it was very young, and then I, you know, the pattern of my life followed that trajectory up until today, I, I, would, I would pray, you know. Now, let, let me ask you this question here. You've, at this point in your life, you're, you're, you're dedicating your life mm-hmm. to life. Yeah. To the protection, yeah. of, to protection of the most vulnerable amongst us. Yeah. So I'm curious, when was the fire lit within you uh, with, as it relates to the pro-life movement itself? So, you know, I'll have to be honest with you, Dennis. It was actually very recently, and it wasn't that fire that you're talking about, that spark that moves you, that you know, gets you out of bed in the morning. It didn't actually hit me until a few months into working this job. You know, I talked about my experience in seminary and being in front of abortion clinics and knowing it was important, but that really deep down personal conviction in this work didn't come until a few months into this job. I was looking through um, some of the stories we were reading from the women who come through our centers, and I was reading about a story about a woman who came in who wound up leaving our leaving our center. She didn't want to accept. She didn't accept the uh, support we were offering. She was just too overwhelmed, and she went and she had the procedure done. She went and had an abortion. And I have read the stories like this over and over, time and time again. But for whatever reason, this particular story hit me, and I thought to myself, you know what? That person is no longer here. And I thought to myself, what if they would have liked, I don't know, eighties music? What if they would have liked Ike and Ike's? What if Taco Bell was their guilty pleasure? What if, you know, they were going to be a huge fan of black and white movies? All these things that I recognize in myself and all these things, just really simple, mundane, personal things, right? It struck me that that person, that unique individual who God knew from before they were in the womb, whose every hair was counted on their heads, Every when they woke, when they stood, when they sat, all this known by God before their creation, this person no longer existed. This person was gone and was irrepeatable. God would never create that person again. And that, I became emotional when I started thinking about that because I realized just how destructive abortion is and just what it, what it takes away from the world as an individual, a person, right? And that idea of each human having value and each life causing a ripple effect, having an echo, tracing this person's life to all the other people they would encounter, that whole, that whole network connected to this one life is now gone. And that's when I realized, it was in that moment that, you know, what we're doing, this issue of abortion, is the most important. And, and, and I couldn't be, you know... Doing, I, I want to do more to help, and I want people to know that uh, uh, the result of every abortion is not just the ending of human life, but it's the ending of hundreds and hundreds of people who have yet to be. I want to talk about Legacy of Life, what specifically you guys do, but before I do that, and I, and I, I alluded to this uh, with the one question, but I want to really dive further in because I think this is a major issue. Um, what do you say to people that, that maybe... Uh, they, they, when it comes to pro-life, when it comes to pro-choice, when it comes to, to, to leading someone to life, and they say things like, well, I just, 
people should be able to do what they want. I don't want to judge. Um, people will often uh, take our Lord's words out of context. And by and and let, tell you what, let's just let me stay on message here. So what what do you say to someone like that that maybe is um, not comfortable mm -hmm. expressing truth for whatever reason, and they and they kind of. I would say, like, if you can, you know, uh, listen to some of the stories, listen to some of the situations that these women come from. Abortion is not good for women. Abortion is not a mercy. It is not an act of compassion. People say, you know, they, they want to um, sort of smooth over their support or at least their, the blind eye they turn to this issue uh, with the notion that, well, you know, um, it may not, I, I would personally never do it, but I could see how some women uh, would choose that. Motherhood is the very root, and I would say the origin of um, womanhood, right? We, we have identity as men and women, mothers and fathers, reflected in Almighty God. And motherhood is at the root of what womanhood, true womanhood is. Every woman is called to be mother in some way just as every man is called to be father in some way, through biological fatherhood, through spiritual fatherhood, you know, all of the vocations we see within the church are pointed towards either spiritual or physical motherhood or fatherhood. So when a woman comes into our center saying, I have no choice but to kill my child, that is not something that is, it's not compassionate to allow her to do that. Compassion is removing from her all of the burdens, all of the situations in her life that are leading her to this point of saying no to her vocation. That is, it's not compassion to let somebody stray from what God is calling them to do. And in the case of these young women, it's motherhood. And it may be motherhood in the form of raising this child, it may be motherhood in the form of the courageous decision to put their child up for adoption. Whatever it may be, that is their vocation in life, is to be mother. Whether they were pregnant or not, the very virtue of the fact that they are a woman means they are called to be mother somehow. So when somebody says, you know, it's a compassionate choice, no, the, what, what, what we need to think of as compassion is removing from the women everything that would even make her think about killing her child. Real compassion comes from healing the mother, healing her situation, um, and then leading her to see within herself, to have mercy on herself, and to see that she is capable of choosing life for her child. I would say, if you say that you're not, you know, in agreement with, you know, if, if you say you're all right with people choosing abortion because of a set of circumstances, I would say, then you can't be all right with the circumstances that lead them there. We have to heal that first. You know, we have to, to, to secure the woman, save the woman. You know, it's not compassion to add trauma on top of trauma. Let's talk about legacy of life because we've really identified that holistic approach. It has to start within, mm -hmm. within your heart, that mm -hmm. fire, right, we're mm -hmm. talking about. Right. Um, so let's talk about practically. Uh, you know, here's my, 
I just getting to know you yeah. and Legacy of Life. My impression of uh, being a resident of this area for the last 10 years of Legacy of Life is uh, it's it's a wonderful foundation. What a blessing to our community. I know about the baby bottle drive. Mm -hmm. I know about the fact that I've told per people personally mm -hmm. that have been in situations where uh, they were up against it. And mm -hmm. I know people that were choosing life. And I said, why don't you still just stop over at Legacy of Life and just see if they can help you in any way. Worst mm -hmm. thing you're going to lose is some time. Right. Help me out practically. Okay. Um, w w first of all, tell me real quick, what's a... What's a typical day like here at Legacy of Life? Well, there's a that's a multifaceted question because you know I work on the development side, and then there's the counselors who work with directly with the women. So, what the the counselors see every day are women who are scared coming to our centers looking for an abortion, and these women who come to our centers are looking to uh, get rid of this problem, so to speak, of their pregnancy. And uh, so every day these women come through and our counselors go through the process of getting them signed in, getting them a pregnancy test to confirm the pregnancy, going over the results with the woman, getting into her situation in life so that we can address her concerns if she's leaning towards abortion, saying, all right, so where would you like to see yourself in nine months, right? You maybe are in an abusive relationship. Maybe you're looking to get a job. Maybe you're looking to finish school. Where do you see yourself in nine months? And, and help her to remove the barriers and slow down and think of her options and think of where she can be so that she can have the confidence uh, to choose life and to, to be a mother to her child. On my end of things, um, a typical day would look like, um, you know, checking the phone for messages. And then I dive into developing uh, donor materials, so things that we can we can help spread the word and raise awareness, putting together statistics, designing our website um, into uh, pro producing material copy for our social media page, uh, reaching out to parishes to engage them in a bottle drive fundraiser, uh, reaching out to Knights of Columbus groups to bring them in for a tour, trying to raise awareness of what happens in physical centers to uh, provide real solutions, real answers to this problem of abortion. And, um, and that, you know, that can take uh, a multitude of many different things. I'll, I'll sometimes leave the center and go out to visit parishes, talk to priests, talk to Respect Life groups. Um, we have people coming in the centers all the time. So we have people coming in, dropping off donations, clothes, diapers, formula for the moms. And I, you know, I help to process those and get them to where they need to be so that we can use them at the centers. So it's a really, I mean, my job, you know, the most uh, liberally used line in my entire job description was other duties as assigned. You know, so I, I took on, you know, we take on a lot of things here. Sure. And, and it, it all, all hands on tech. All hands on tech. And it Do what needs to be done. Yeah, exactly. I get it. Yep. Exactly. That's, a, that's the essence of a winning team. Right. Yeah. And that's, and it takes so many people, not just everybody here at the center, but the hundreds and hundreds of people who support us with their prayers, who support us with their financial gifts, who support us with their donations of baby items and things like that, that make us, you know, that makes it possible for us to even exist. And so while I'm here, if any of you have done so, if any of you have supported us, my thanks, uh, sincere thanks to you. You are making a difference. And in light of everything that's happened in our country over the past few months, you know, you have done or are doing your part to make a concrete and substantial change that won't only affect the lives of women today, 
but of generations of Americans uh, tomorrow and for years and years to come. So thank you. I want to ask you in a moment, I want to ask you to share a success story, or, right. or two if you wish. Uh, but before I do that, I mentioned to you, I, I, just, I have to tell you this. So before we, we, we started speaking on air, I just mentioned to Peter that uh, I, I had done some research, but some research was given to me. And I have to tell you this story. So uh, I was over at my mother-in-law's this past week, and I mentioned that we had met, and I was here on Friday. And she had informed me, I was unaware of this, but she spent her first three years of life right here along this strip. Her, her, her parents, which would be my wife's grandparents, mm -hmm. owned one of these properties right here. Oh. And she was telling me that the uh, Wachowski, Wachowski family, I believe it was, lived in this main residence, mm -hmm. okay? So then uh, yesterday I got a phone call from a close friend of uh, my wife and myself. Her name is Susan Swift. Susan's a retired nurse from CHOP. And she had shared with me that she also, which I did know that, I did know that, she also grew up along this, uh, right along this strip as well. And she had informed me, yes, uh, the Wachowskis lived in that main house that you're operating out mm -hmm. of. They were very clear about that. But here's the, here's the very interesting thing. Uh, Susan had told me yesterday that the Wachowski family, I believe I'm pronouncing it properly, forgive me if I'm not, the Wachowski family who had lived there for many, many, many years, the same house that you're saving thousands of lives, ultimately, mm -hmm. 333 lives last year, last right? Last year and 2,224 as of this morning, since we opened. Praise God. Yeah. Specifically, praise the infant Jesus. Amen. And that's where I'm going to go with this, mm -hmm. as we stare at a, at a picture of the infant Jesus our eternal God. The Wachowski family, the same house where all this wonderful things, they they had a powerful and great devotion to the infant Jesus of Prague. I did not know that. Yes, and I needed to share that. So that, that, that just shows you God's providence, God's will. The infant Jesus was honored and venerated in that very, very house decades before this would ever become a, um, a, a life-saving a life-saving clinic okay yes so let me ask you this so that let's 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 do this uh, and I do want to get practical in terms of if there's people that are listening whether they live in our in our area or if they live in uh, you know different far far you know far away from here what suggestions we have for them to step in and help and but before I do that do me a favor Peter just share with me just I'll tell you what just pick one story right. one success story yeah. it uh, you know, and if, why don't you share it with our listeners so that they get an idea of what 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 you folks do? All right, so even more. I'm so. going to share a uh, story that came in this morning. Actually, um, we got an email from one of our counselors sharing the story, and I think it's a great uh, in preparation for you know this interview today. I realized this is going to be a great thing to share with everybody listening. So, a woman had come into our center in Philadelphia looking for uh, funding for an abortion. And it wasn't long before she found out that obviously that's not what we do. We provide abortion information, which every woman is required by law to have before going in for a procedure. Um, she found out we, we provide abortion information, and so she thought she was wasting her time. She, she had had an ultrasound of, on her own uh, a couple weeks ago. She was 12 weeks along, and she thought she was wasting her time. She didn't want to hear about our parenting support. She didn't want to hear about information about adoption. She was going to go. Well, our counselor, last ditch ever, she said, all right, well, why don't we get you a same-day ultrasound? Now, thankfully, both of our ultrasound technicians, one of them is in training, were in Philly that day. So she agreed to a same-day ultrasound. Well, when she saw the child and how far along it had grown, she just completely burst into tears. She saw she was having a baby boy. She began crying, hugging everybody. 
and you know the counselor hugged her and said you can do this and she said she took her ultrasound picture was in the counseling room afterwards looked at the picture and just told our counselor this is a blessing this is a blessing the baby is a blessing and that is the entire mission and that is the entire message we want everybody to understand both who hears about our centers who comes into our centers is that the baby is God's blessing and that we were able to have such confirmation from the mouth of a woman herself who was dead set on getting an abortion. You know, she had had a couple before. And she came in looking for another one. She saw that child on the ultrasound screen. She heard its heartbeat. She saw how far along it had come. And she recognized the face of God in that screen. And that happened this morning. All right. So God knew you were coming today, Dennis. And he decided that this woman's heart was gonna to change today. And not only was her heart gonna change, her life is going to change. The trajectory of her life is gonna change. Her cycle is now broken, and a new life is gonna be born into the world that will change lives for years and years and years to come. The echo is eternal of what this child is going to do. So that is a success story that came fresh, hot off the press this morning, and uh, we are super blessed to be able to be providing these services that generous people make possible, because um, without them, we wouldn't be able to do this. Um, but that's just one story that you know was timely and impactful, and it really, it, it's a perfect snapshot of exactly the kind of people, women who come in, and exactly the kind of conversion we see happening here every day. If someone was listening to this message, let's 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 say it was a young man, young woman, mm -hmm. uh, perhaps, perhaps unmarried, and they're not, and they just found out that they're having a baby mm -hmm. uh, and they're contemplating mm -hmm. their options sadly mm -hmm. uh, they could they could call you they could mm -hmm. reach out to you they could mm -hmm. stop in mm -hmm. at least check you guys out yeah absolutely. right like at least yeah. if you're going to say here I used to be in sales it was a right. great question I would always ask you uh, with regards to this specific sale yeah. uh, are you keeping your options open right. was the question right. Everybody would say yes to that yeah, question, yeah, right? Yeah. So, I mean, my question to you is, are you keeping your options open? If you are keeping your options open, you live anywhere uh, in the you know Philadelphia area. Obviously, you mentioned the, the center city location. Mm -hmm. Let's focus real quickly. We're at 712 mm -hmm. Veterans Highway, right? Mm -hmm. uh, Bristol, Pennsylvania. We're right on 413, right here. Mm -hmm. Legacy of Life is where Peter is. Um, this is is really a this is a, a wonder. I had a chance to meet uh, meet the staff last week. What a wonderfully uh, friendly group of people. You're gonna be met with a smile. You're gonna be met with hope, um, and and I think my I just encourage anyone, whether it's someone that is in that situation or knows someone in that situation, to reach out. The phone number here, man. Give the phone yeah. number. Uh, this is the phone number I have. It's correct me if I'm wrong. Two one five seven eight eight. 4051 215-788-4051 or you can go to legacyoflifefoundation.org and you can I think send them send them an email mm -hmm. or just just stop in during office hours right. and and may I mean hopefully they can help you mm -hmm. you know I believe yeah. that they will be able to help you well what we really try to do here at our centers is there's so many resources out there that people don't know that they're eligible for that people don't know is available to them and what our centers strive to do is be that point of contact. We meet a woman in crisis, we meet a family in crisis, and we give them the resources they need to move forward with confidence, make a choice for love, not just for life, but love. That means love of their child, that means self-love. 
and 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 really be able to reinvent and and look with new eyes on their situation and see that not only is this a moment for life, this is a moment for conversion, this is a real moment for transformation. Uh, this is a time that when news of a baby, an unplanned pregnancy strikes at the heart and it, it, it can cause a lot of fear. Um, we exist because we believe that God is speaking through the life of that child. God is reaching out to a woman whose situation Honestly, if she's brought to the, the, the a point where she's choosing abortion, her situation needs to change. And that's why we exist, because we want to break that cycle. And so if you are faced with an unplanned pregnancy, know, you know that God is, is blessing you through this baby, that there are options that you don't have to choose death over life, that you can choose, make a choice for love. And, and that transformation really does happen. Um, if you embrace God's blessing. Last thing, I want to talk to those out there who maybe can help. Uh, maybe they, again, maybe they live in the area. Maybe they don't live in the area. Uh, I, I mean, I I know first and foremost. Um, please keep Legacy of Life in your prayers. If you have a prayer group, um, keep Legacy of Life in your prayers. The power of prayer should never be underestimated. So please, we ask, and and we just that we ask that you would. Definitely include uh, Legacy of Life in your prayers, your personal prayers, your public prayers, prayer groups, all of, all of these wonderful things. Uh, Holy Rosaries, Chapel of the Divine Mercy. We also ask if you're in a position, uh, if you're in a position to be able to help out financially, they can stretch their dollar. Uh, this is this is an operation that knows how to use their funds properly, and if you're able to donate. You're literally investing in God's plan, in God's plan for life. I believe in my heart, if, if one can make, if, if, if someone listening, if those listening can make those donations, even if it's, even if it's you know, a few dollars, even those recurring donations, they can help so quickly, it could really be a great benefit uh, to this place. And I, I believe that God would bless you abundantly because you're investing in his will. Right, so sowing that fruit into His will. So let's talk about, uh, and now also too, I, I do feel compelled to say this: if there's someone out there listening who maybe is making a will or has made their will or is getting ready to make a will, if you know, this would be a great what a what a a magnificent um, organization to to give through your estate if you if you have the means. I mean, this is this is this is. We're, they're, they're, they're literally saving lives. I'm looking at the statistics right here. This past year, think about this. They've saved 333 lives here at Legacy of Life. That's that's combined with Philadelphia oh, and Bristol, bucks. right? Yep, yep. So there's between Legacy of Life, 330. That's a holy number too, right? Yes, think yeah. about that for a second, the significance of that number. So 333 lives right there, over 2,000 lives since its existence. And one thing, you know, you, you did talk about it, but think about all the the happiness mm. in addition to the lives like you mentioned with regards to God's plan all the happiness you're bringing these couples you know uh Psalm 34 was 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 the responsorial psalm at Tuesday's mass and it's and it reads the, the responsorial psalm was from all their distress God rescues the just mm. from all their distress God rescues the just if we do what God wants if we're just and we're right God will save us God will bless us so abundantly 
So if someone wanted to actively make a donation, whether that be uh, through online or recurring donation, whether they wanted to address, you know, giving to Legacy of Life in their in their will through their estate, can you give us some, some action steps on what folks can do? Yeah, and thank you so much for bringing that up, Dennis, because I do want to emphasize the point that, um, you know, I've prayed in front of abortion clinics. Some people, I know some very heroic people, that is their call, and that is what they do, and that is the... That is their contribution, and it's a powerful contribution to this cause, right? They pray outside the abortion clinics, they're witnesses, and lives are saved through that. Not every, that's not everybody's call, right? St. Paul talks about gifts of the Spirit and everybody being given certain gifts. And, and if, your pray, if, your call is, if your gift is to pray outside abortion clinics, you know, God bless you, I've done it. It is so difficult. But some of, for some of us... Um, that is not our call. And so, we, but we feel helpless, right, in the face of such a, a massive, horrific problem. What you can do is you can give, and you can either give financially, you can give your time as a volunteer. You can do something that not only prevents abortion, but saves lives. And that is, and that is both the life of the, the mother and the child. And so, if you feel called, it doesn't matter the amount, it doesn't matter the frequency, um, Maybe your call in this moment is to give uh, financially to the Legacy of Life Foundation so that we can put those dollars and cents and turn it into um, minutes and months and weeks and years of life. Uh, so um, in order to do that, you can go online at LegacyOfLifeFoundation.org uh, and you can give online through there. Um, also, if, you, if you're not used to using the internet, you can write a check made out to Legacy of Life Foundation. Um, and mail that into number 25 South Main Street in Yardley, Pennsylvania, 19067. That is our mailing address. Um, or you can give us a phone call and we can set up your gift online at 215-788-4051. And uh, know that every dime, every gift, no matter how big or small, um, is doing something. It, it actively does something to save lives, to transform the world. Can you give the mailing address uh, one yeah, more time? Yeah, absolutely. It's number 25 South Main Street in Yardley, Pennsylvania, 19067. Now, before we part ways, you told me, we, we actually, I was here for Mass on Friday with you, mm -hmm. and it was awesome. Father Rechabal, uh, our, our, actually the gentleman that introduced us, yes. uh, Father Rechabal, um, he said Mass and... After Mass, Peter shared with me something that we just, we're going to close, we're going to close this, this podcast with the message you told me about what happened um, when Mass started being said here at Legacy of Life. So the purpose of Legacy of Life Foundation is to establish a center right across the street in close proximity to a Planned Parenthood. And just a couple months after we started saying Mass here in our centers, the Planned Parenthood headquarters here uh, in Bristol closed. Um, they ran out of money and now taking their place in the massive brick building across the street is um, Bucks County Opportunity Council who we work with to help the women find emergency housing and so uh, the power of the Mass, the power of the Eucharist, the presence of our Lord here make, made such a difference in, in what happens uh, up and down the street and we slowly see transformation. So we were, we were very serious when we said that the the power of prayer should never no. be underestimated. No. That that's uh, absolute sincerity with that statement. Absolutely. And if you wanted to that, Dennis, 
Uh, if you go online, you can sign up for our uh, daily email blast that goes out with the names of the actual women who come into our center who are in desperate need of prayer because they are in such darkness. And I can't tell you uh, the stories that have come out of prayer and the power of prayer that people have given um, in order to save lives. So if you're interested in doing that, I urge you to go online, sign up for it. You'll get them every evening around 5.30. They come out with the names of not only the women who need prayers, but the women whose uh, lives were saved through answered prayer. Peter Bernitsky, thank you so much for joining us. You were, you were phenomenal. You were, as I said, my new friend, and really um, uh, you, were, you, you did such a wonderful job explaining legacy of life, the mission. Uh, again, this, this is a tremendous and blessed staff, and praise God for what you're doing here in the Philadelphia area. Dennis, thank you for your passion and for having me, and I hope uh, somebody listening um, is moved to take action, and I'm just so grateful for this opportunity, so thank you. My name is Dennis McGee Jr. This is the Jesus Only Speaks the Truth podcast.